Welcome to Ingenious, a podcast brought to you by Engineers Without Borders Bristol and recorded at the Burst Radio Studios. At Ingenious, we explore the future by talking with the pioneering engineers of today. In this episode, Phoebe and I spoke with Trish Johnson, whose official title is Bridgemaster of the Clifton Suspension Bridge. Basically, it's her job to make sure that Bristol's most famous symbol stays as safe and majestic as ever. Trish is also a former regional director at the Institute of Civil Engineers. As always, we started by asking her to introduce herself and how she got where she is today. Hi, I'm Trish Johnson. I'm the bridge master at the Clifton Suspension Bridge in Bristol. I'm a chartered engineer, um, a chartered civil engineer, and a fellow of the Institution of Civil Engineers. Um, the role of bridge master is quite unique, and um, not many bridge masters around the country. But basically, I'm um, involved in managing the maintenance of the of the bridge, ensuring that it um, carries on for years to come, and also um, managing the whole organisation in terms of um, the visitor centre, the tours that come, um, the tolls that we collect on the bridge, um, and all of the administration. So basically, I'm I'm running the business. Brilliant. So I absolutely love the title bridge master. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> Um, so yeah, could you describe a little bit more, what does a day look like to you as bridge master of the Clifton Suspension Bridge? I imagine there's all kinds of varied things that you do on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. I must say I never realised um, how varied a day could be. Um, <laughs> there's no two days the same. So on one day I could be managing the painting of the uh, the underside of the deck. We, we obviously have to paint it to maintain it to make sure it doesn't rust um, for the future. So we provide c- protective coatings. So we may have contractors on uh, painting the bridge. Uh, the next day I may have um, the media there who want to film a, a series and they want people going across the bridge. So we, we're involved in traffic management and stopping the traffic and letting the, the, the film crew go across. Um, the next day we may have a school tour, so we might be talking to, to uh, students, talking about how we build bridges um, and giving them advice on careers for engineering and science. Um, and then we may do some tours, you know, I've got uh, my colleagues, they do tours as well across the bridge um, into the vaults which are underneath the bridge. So every day is very different, very different indeed. Yeah, no, that sounds really good. Um, so you've had like quite a lot of different roles in the past. What made you want to become the bridge master? Because you only joined in 2016. So yeah, I've been there new. just under two years. Um, really, I uh, it was one of the, I mean, I live in Bristol. I've lived here, even though the accent's uh, not Bristolian. I've lived in Bristol a long time. Um, and obviously the Clifton Suspension Bridge is really iconic. Everybody wants to go there on their visits to Bristol. So I was, when I saw the job, I thought I can't, I can't not go for it. It's one of those um, real opportunities. Um, and I feel very honoured and proud to be able to be the bridge master um, at the Clifton Suspension Bridge. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it was it was it was um, what, how would you say it? You could it was a no go. You know, you just you had to go for it really. And because my background is in bridges, um, I previously worked at the um, on the Seven Crossings, the two bridges that go from Bristol into Wales. Um, I still I had a real affinity with bridges anyway. So um, this was the the, the pinnacle really. Mm. So yeah, what what has what is the trajectory you've taken before taking on this role from? So you studied civil engineering at university, yes. Yes. And, and yes. so so, how how's it come about that you've got to this stage over the over the uh, over the years since? Um, what well, intermediate roles have you had? Well, when I was at school, basically I liked I always liked science, I particularly like maths. Um, I just like the problem solving that side of things. 
didn't really like writing reports and things like that. But the, the maths was my real my real passion. And um, so it was something I wanted to do something mathematical uh, when I went on to university, but I didn't want to be stuck in an office. So, you know, things like accountancy or maths teacher or something like that, I didn't want to be always inside. Um, so that was why I thought, well, what can I do differently and what can give me a variety of, um, you know, career and, and, you know, day to day, you know, things that are a variety in my day job. And so I decided on engineering. I At the time, I didn't know which one to do. You know, I looked at mechanical and I looked at um, electrical and at civil. Uh, but I, my friend of mine, who was a civil engineer, he took me around one of his sites and I just fell in love with the thought of being here, being in the out outdoors, solving problems. Um, and that was why I went down the civil engineering route. Yeah, I'm, I'm often quite jealous of you guys. I'm a mechanical engineer. You yeah. guys, um, as civil engineers, are really out outside in the real world often a lot more than other disciplines of engineering and that's that's a, a real consideration for someone who's deciding what discipline to do in a way it's a lot more hands-on and practical it, and it is and it, it, what it also is it, it you actually feel as though you contribute into society um and i mean every you know every job contributes to society in some way but um for a civil engineering you, you can't walk down a street without thinking part of this has been either designed by or built by a civil engineer you've got your roads you've got your buildings you've got the sewers um you know the electricity comes from power stations which are designed by engineers so you know there's everything you 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 walk you know everything about it has an has been impacted by civil engineers and and that's really nice to think you know you're what you're doing is making a real difference to society and and to the future you know. Yeah, no, because I study civil engineering and like that's one of the things that drove me to it a lot is that I felt like I would actually be contributing in a very positive way and you can deal with um, loads of other topics like climate change as well. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, so in your career, how do you feel like, um, what would you say are the highlights or the lowlights in how you've dealt with them? In terms of my um, of what I've built or yeah. what I've what's, what's been the what's been the tough bits or yeah things that have uh, things that have gone wrong that you didn't, didn't necessarily expect or things that have gone right that you didn't necessarily expect. Um, I suppose th things that have gone right. I mean, I, when I first started in, in engineering, I had to, you know, you have to work through um, various training to become chartered, and I had to design. I was given a design of an aqueduct. An aqueduct in these days and I mean it wasn't anything like the Romans one it was pretty much a box but you know it was my first real you know design outside of university so that was a real challenge to me you know and it really you know inspired me I thought well I've you know I've got to get this right it's got to carry water it can't leak it, you know there's no cracking allowed um, and so I was really pleased when you know I, I had a successful design and I put it forward for my um, chartership and you know they, they thought it was a good idea and a really good design so that that was a good highlight for me right at the start. In terms of challenges I think I, I don't know it's always like common challenges always you know it's <laughs> you know that every day there's a challenge but it's it's how you cope with those challenges mm -hmm. and and you know it's it, part of the enjoyment of being a civil engineer is is dealing with these the variety of things that are thrown at you you know it's it's not you know every day you think right how am I going to sort this out you know, we're going to paint the bridge. Uh, we need, still need to keep the traffic going across. How are we going to sort it out? It's a challenge, but you, you sort of work through it and you, you, you manage it. Um, some of the challenges in the past have probably been when I've been, I did a lot of inspection of bridges um, on the motorways, um, the M25, the M5, the M4. Um, and a lot of that had to be done either at night or in lane closures. And it was making sure that you had a certain time scale to do it. You know, you might have one lane closure, which was at a certain time. And you had to inspect everything in that bridge, record it, 
um, and it was in the days before mobile phones so you know you were taking <laughs> camera shots and winding the film on and taking another shot so it was um, you know it was all and you had to draw it all yourself on by hand so that it, the challenge was trying to get it all done and completed in a, in a time frame mm. um, before the closure came off so um, that was sometimes a challenge and for whatever reason they always seemed to organize those in the coldest parts of the of the year so we were out in the snow and the rain um, you know so yeah I think that would probably be one of my challenges yeah fantastic so we'll we'll bring it back to where we are today so at the Clifton suspension bridge yeah. I think earlier you mentioned the word iconic and I think that is that is a word that definitely describes the Clifton suspension bridge we're obviously in Bristol right now we're at Bristol University it's essentially the symbol of Bristol or one of the few symbols of Bristol is the suspension bridge yeah. and it's got a bit of an illustrious past. It's obviously associated with Brunel, who's a very famous figure. Could you describe maybe maybe the history of the bridge or a potted history of the bridge? I'd have to How... give you a potted history, I think. Absolutely, we could be yeah. Here all day. Where did it all start, and, and what made it the kind of the icon that it is today? But I, th I think it was um, it, it was it started actually by a, a guy called William Vick, who was a wine merchant, um, and when he died, he left some money uh, to the merchant ventures and said, you know, I I would like this money to be um, invested and. To um, once it reaches a certain amount of money, you can build a stone bridge, free a free stone bridge across the, the Avon Gorge, and everybody just laughed at him because in those days, you know, that wouldn't have been possible. So either was, you know, they all thought he was just mad, but actually, what actually happened was he did get his his dream of a of a bridge across that gorge, um, and you know, to eventually when they had enough money from William Bick's, um money that he had left for in his will. They, they had a competition and um, after a number of setbacks, Brunel actually won that competition um, and he then, you know, was, was appointed to, to build the bridge across the gorge. Um, and that was in the times when Bristol was starting to really boom and, and increase in, in size. So they needed, they needed another bridge across the Avon uh, to sort of get the traffic across. At those days, horse-drawn carts and people. Um, so he did, he, he was a, and Brunel from what it seems like was a real workaholic, you know, he was, he worked really hard, he spent ages designing it and everything like that. Um, but um, there was always a few setbacks in terms of, of money and, and, and the like. And so he, he got to um, build, he built the vaults and he built the towers, so you had the two big towers either side of the, of the, um, the gorge. Um, and then he ran out of money. And um, basically he had bought all the chains. Um, that for for the bridge but he ran out of money and he had to sell them and those chains are now on the, the bridge down at uh, Tamar at the Tamar crossing mm -hmm. um so and then so he basically um died then with just the two stone there's two stone towers being built and they sat there for years and people saw them as a monument to failure and it was, you know, for, for engineers, this was like, you know, stuck in the throat, you know, this is an engineering feat, which is, a, you know, a monument to failure. So um, there was two engineers called Barlow and Hawkshaw, who um, they were taking down the Hungerford Bridge in, in London, which was also a Brunel's Bridge years after. And they said, you know, these chains could be used for the Clifton Suspension Bridge. So they took the chains from the Hungerford so, and brought them to Clifton. I hope um, they had permission. <laughs> yeah, they were demolitionists. <laughs> and they, they took it down and, and basically they then redesigned the deck and the chains and, and then they built it as a monument to their friend and also um, as testimony to the world that engineering is not a failure and that they could, they mm. could sort it out. So that was how it eventually um, got built. 
and they did you know what Brunel's design showed was um, he had he had two chains and a, a much uh, a much thinner deck and a, a much more fragile deck and um, Hawkshaw and Barlow they redesigned it um, and had a much heavier deck and there but because it was so heavy they had to add an extra chain so you now see if you go up on the Clifton suspension bridge you will see there are three chains there rather than the two so the deck was completely designed mm. they don't get as much credit as Brunel but they they should get as much you know as, right. as, he, yeah. as he did so you used the word vaults when you were talking about the design of the bridge. What What is that in the context of bridges and what are they for? So the vaults on the Clifton Suspension Bridge are um, chambers that were found on the one of the on the leeward side. Basically, um, after over many years, people tended to seem to forget that there were vaults there. And it was only about 10 years ago when a, a maintenance worker was working on top of the bridge and he was they he had was he was doing some with water and the water was beginning to just flow really quickly through this hole in the footway and he investigated and he thought well what's this here so when he when he lifted up the the paving slab he found some timber and then he lifted timber up and there was this massive hole and mm. um, that went down through the through the footway so what they did was they they got some um roped access people and they took lowered them down into this hole to see where it went to and um, and what they found was that this was a massive these massive vaults were in, inside the inside the abutment on the on the leeward side, um, they'd been you know they'd all been closed up and they'd been forgotten and it was only about ten eleven years ago that they they re, they refined them, so then they had to um, they decided they wanted to open them up and see inside and check to see if they were structurally sound, so they uh, drilled through the the side of the abutment and formed a door and then from that and, and cleared it all out and now what you've got are these these beautiful arched vaults that look mm -hmm. like cathedral you know really really they're about the size of three double-decker buses on top wow. of each other mm -hmm. so they're they're massive and uh, you go in there and it's it, people just get astounded by you know they never expect to find this you can the, do tours can't you you can do tours you can go underneath so uh they in the in the nicer weather people there's school tours and there's there's um tours you can you can book to to go on um to the on them and we've also had a few little things like we've had a play down in the vaults and uh, that was very unique um because you can only have um 15 people at a time inside so every play the audience was only 12 people so it was mm -hmm. and they used to do them at a, you know every half hour there was another yeah. you know it was a very short play but the acoustics were amazing right. there was lots of singing and and uh, it was all about the a play was all about the underworld so they had really darkened the lighting and um, and the acoustics was fantastic so it got really good reviews and it won some award for the one of the best tourist attractions um in the southwest the play so uh, we were very we were very thrilled about that yeah. yeah, that's fantastic. So, were these vaults not <coughs> on the plans for the bridge? No, we we haven't got the the means. We haven't got the very old plans of the bridge. The old, the plans have all been on linen and the linen drawings, and um, we haven't got them anymore. We have some plans, but that wasn't part of any of them, and uh, it just hmm. seemed to. I mean, they would have known about it. The reason why they would have had the vaults would have been to save money, because when Brunel was doing it, as I yeah. said, he he sort of was running out of money, so he was looking at areas to save money. Um, and he would have obviously said, rather than build a huge um, buttress or a abutment in complete solid stone, mm. he would have put, you know, he would have made hollows in it and voids in it to sort of save on the, on the stone, yeah. which, you know, was, was engineering of its time, you know, that's mm. the way you should be doing it, value engineering. So that's what he had done. But somewhere along the line, it got forgotten. 
and <laughs> uh, people forgot that there were there were um, bolts in there, and was only discovered in very really recently, which you'd never expect. You know, we have a hundred and fifty-two year old yeah. bridge. You'd think you'd know that inside out that bridge, yeah. wouldn't you? But uh, it does it does surprise us every it throws us little surprises at us every now and again. And it's amazing, and also I think a really nice thing that the um, something that's an engineering feat is also being used to like celebrate the arts as well to kind yeah. of combine the two. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. They're not exactly completely separate. I no. think they should be a lot of um, combining it and. Well, people always say music and maz are very yeah, exactly. very well aligned. So yeah, we we do we do have lots. I mean, obviously, as well as it being an engineering feat, it's an artistic feat as well. You know, it's very artistic the way it was done. Um, and you know, there's lots of we have we have lots of things in the the visitor center. You know. That links to science and, and engineering but we also have things like we do an art fair where we have artists display either their, their you know their, their visions of visions of the bridge or of the southwest so we we blend it all in together so that it's not just about science there's, there's art as well yeah i hope it's not too nerdy to say that bridges can and are often quite beautiful things yeah, yeah mine's so. my background on the computer like on my laptop as well <laughs> the clip and suspension bridge so i don't oh, use yeah, it it's always about i mean i always think the bridges of all things connects communities doesn't mm-hmm. it you know that is what they are they basically connect communities and they're they're usually there as a as an icon for a, 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 a you know a, a city or a town um so yeah i think they are they are a work of art yeah yeah no that's really interesting um Apparently there's a few myths out there that have recently come up being about, I think you've mentioned about Brunel not being the one that designed the bridge. Do you know anything about that? Well, that's, yeah, I mean, he designed, it's basically his design was adapted by Hawkshaw and Barlow. So um, although it's a, you know, it's a Brunel's bridge, when you look at it, you think, well, actually, you know, if it wasn't for the extra chain and the change in the deck, um, you know, there's there's quite a few changes that were made by these other two engineers after he died. Yeah, there is rumor that a, a woman was involved in it as well, um, but unfortunately, I, it'd be nice to say a woman was involved in the engineering of it. She um, she wasn't, but um, she did have some other ma- inventions that she did carry out, um, but not not on the Clifton suspension bridge. Yeah, no, that was that's a really good point about engineering. I feel like. Um, when I was younger, I didn't really think about it, but now, as I've do- like been in my degree for like two years now, it's a very collaborative um, like industry, and I think that's a really important thing if you're interested in working with those disciplines. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's definitely something you should consider. Yeah. I don't know if you find that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think this the the one person Brunel gets idolised, whereas in fact. There's a whole, there's whole teams of people. There's, exactly. there's more people that we don't even know about who yeah. had a fundamental effect on the design of this bridge. Yeah. Um, so idolising these kind of hero figures makes it seem less attainable. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I think, I think also, um, you know, I, I said the woman wasn't involved, but it's actually quite, it's quite nice to think that you know the in terms of engineering, it's not just all about you talked about collaboration and and, and working together as a team and problem solving and that's what engineering is all about you know I, I've talked to students in the past and they go oh well, I don't want to do engineering because I don't want to get my hands dirty or I don't want to break my nails and and this and I mean it's it's not that you can you can work in the office you can design you know you can design you can you can work as a team it's not always about being out there and getting building you know walls. hard hats and yeah exactly. high-vis jackets I mean that's mm. that, if you want that that's there and that's quite exciting as well but you're not. It's not manual labour. It's it's mm. about going out there and seeing how your design is being constructed, and um, solving any problems that they've got on site, and then coming back in and maybe redesigning it. 
Um, so it, it isn't manual labour. So anybody can do it. And, you know, we, we don't have enough women in the industry. I mean, there's only probably, I think, 11% of uh, women in engineering as a whole, not just civil, but across across the board. Um, and that's that's so much lower than a lot of other European countries. In fact, we are the lowest compared to other European countries in terms of having women in engineering. Would you say there's anything that is particularly contributing to that, apart from the idea that it might be more of a manual job? I think it's role models. Um, I think you need to have role models there. And I, and, and maybe, you know, girls who are thinking of coming into engineering, they look, everywhere they look, they see men, even in the adverts and, and on TV, if they're talking about it, a lot of it has been in the past. It has been men that have been talking about engineering. So it's good to see now um, these documentaries, like the, the um, talking about the, the tunnels under London, mm. and they had lots of the girls. Lost tunnels. Yeah, and they had lots of girls talking about the work they were doing. So it shows that there are other, you know, there are you know girls being involved in it. And I think that's probably what has been lacking as the, as a, as a mm. role model. And that's maybe particularly an issue in this country. I hadn't really thought of it yeah. that way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I suppose once you... Once you can get the numbers up, then you've got more role models out there, and, yeah. uh, and that's what we we need to do, really. I think that's really important as well. Mm. Mm. So you're obviously affiliated with the Institute of Civil Engineers. Maybe maybe describe what that is and why why that body is important, and and what roles do you have uh, associated with, with with this topic? The Institution of Civil Engineers basically um, the, it's it's the um, the institution where all the civil engineers are. Um, they sort of sign up to and you get you through your um your training they sort of assist with your training and then you, when you become chartered you become a chartered member of the institution civil engineering they also provide lots of support as a student or even um before your student if you're thinking of doing engineering in your school you can go on their website and there's lots of information about what civil engineering is all about so there's lots of activities for schools to do um, and then they give you training and things like that as well and they also promote engineering to schools to the public and a big part of what they do is they engage with the government in terms of promoting civil engineering and asking, you know, for the government to make sure that they put engineering on the map. You know, occasionally, if there's budgets are cut, quite a lot of time it's construction that gets cut. And it's trying to make sure that, you know, the roads and the bridges and, and the rails, railway lines are as important as, as something else. So that's what uh, they they also do that. They sort of talk to government and make sure that it's it gets a... Uh, um, high profile, especially with the IC. You're doing something about your judge last year, and your judge this year. Do you yes. want to explain a bit what that okay. is for? Like, so, there's an awards. There's an award. So previously, I I used to work with the um, Institution of Civil Engineers Regional Director of the South West, um, and I, although I was an engineer, this is more about going in and promoting engineering to schools and promoting it to um, trying to get the. Um, People qualified through their, their their organizations and their companies. They've all gone, you know, beyond training schemes and making sure that they're they're doing what they should do. So I've always had that real strong affiliation with with ICE previous in my previous job and then carrying on now. So they, I was really privileged when they asked me when I'd left to come back and be a judge, uh, one of the judges for the the Southwest project. So um, any projects were built. Over the last year, they can apply for this, um, apply for an award, and then there's a team of judges would be going around to look at them and decide which ones get. Um, what kind of things do you look for when you're 
voting for them. Like it's interesting what, what you talked about collaboration. So there's all about teamwork and how they've worked together. Um, innovation, you know, what's what have you brought to the project that maybe hasn't been thought about before? Mm. Um, you know, your focus on health and safety, how you've um, made sure that everything's been done to a really high level of health and safety, how you've engaged with the local community. You know, if you're putting in a new, um, I don't know, sewers works in the area, you know, can you bring the schools in and talk to them about what, what's it about and what, what it all means? So it's trying to be sure that, you know, it's trying to look at all those sort of areas with these projects and see which of them have provided that. So it's not always about the most extravagant, like, skyscraper. It's no, no. a lot more than that. No, it's a, a lot of it's, you know, it's what, what, and the impact it's given to the community. Yeah. You know, so sometimes that can be a very small bridge or it can be a, you know, a, a seawall or something mm -hmm. like that. But, you know, that's major for the community because if it stops, like there's one at Western Supermarket, if it stops the, the, the street or the towns from flooding and the houses from flooding, that's a huge impact mm -hmm. um, and positive impact to the local community. Yeah. Yeah, things like these sea walls are only going to become more and more important over the coming decades with more extreme weather and that kind exactly. of thing. Yeah. Civil engineers are becoming more more important than they've ever been in some ways. Yeah, and I think they will change. You know what they wanted, what we're engineers are going to be doing in the future. You know, you talked about climate change and environmental side of things. I mean, that's going to be more and more of our priority. Mm -hmm. And um, I think civil engineers will need to sort of change the way they do things and how they uh, how they uh, design things in line with that. You know, we need to be a bit more energy conscious. We need to decide: can we do this more effectively? Um, do we can we recycle things? Do we you know rather than just knock buildings down or can we do things with them? Can we re, reuse them, reuse materials? All of that has to be considered. A lot of it's been considered already, but I think in the future there's, there's going to be more focus on it. I guess a part of that is maintaining the beautiful structures that we already have, and that's that's what that's the role that you have, I suppose. Um, it's very important, I think, to maintain structures like the Clifton Suspension Bridge, these heritage structures, not just for the safety aspect of things, but also they're symbols of just how how fantastic engineering has been. You talked about initially before it was finished, the bridge was a symbol of failure. I think yeah. it's very much a symbol of success and progress now. It is, yeah. And it is, I mean, it, everybody says iconic is that sort of word, but, you know, you come into Bristol from, you know, if, you, if you've been on holiday and you're coming back, you know, you see that lit up at night and it does feel like I've come home, you know, I'm mm. back home and, and it's a real symbol to, it, just because it sits so high up in the gorge, you know, it's 75 metres above the, the, the River Avon, which... Um, you know, it's about, I don't know if you know Cabot Tower, but it's about more than twice the size, the height of wow. that. Yeah. So it really sits up higher, you know, as a sort of testimony to, to engineering. And, um, and it's also, you know, although it's over 152 years old, um, uh, it is also a working structure. So it, it is a heritage structure, you know, like you get your old, your old buildings and everything, but it's also a working asset in the in the sort of whole network of Bristol so you know it, we get we have a real sort of dichotomy we've got the tourists are up there want to get yeah. pictures with round the round the bridge but then you've got your commuters who just want to get across the bridge and go to work and so we've we're trying to you know cover both sides of it so um it, it is a you know it's what we have to do is make sure that it it uh, carries on for years to come and we have you know I I um um, it is owned, the bridge itself is owned by a trust, so I'm employed by a trust. Um, it's not part of Bristol City Council or North Somerset, it's a private bridge. And so that trust has been, um, well, the, the role of that trust is to make sure that that bridge is carried on and maintained um, for, in perpetuity, really, which mm -hmm. is a, 
a real challenge in itself. <laughs> yeah, and it's thanks to you that um, it's going to carry on for at least... Who knows long? Well, yeah, it's been want... well past my lifetime, I'm hoping anyway. <laughs> you're the one keeping this thing standing. We're yeah. relying on you. Yeah. <laughs> so just to finish off, um, I was just wondering if you had any advice to your younger self, maybe if you were at sixth form um, and you were thinking about going into engineering, even if it wasn't civil engineering, what would you say is the best thing to do? Um, I think for me, and, I, and it helped me, was to go and see, go and talk to engineers who, you know, and try and understand exactly what, what is what they do, but also realise that although they may tell you a certain part of engineering, engineering is such a wide mm-hmm. church of um, activities that don't just think, oh, well, I don't like that, therefore I'm not going to do engineering because there's lots of different, you know, ways of going into engineering. So, you know, don't get too narrow-minded about it, you know, look at the whole broad aspect. But I would also, if you can get any experience, work experience. Um, when I went to university, I did a, a year out in industry and I find that really advantageous because it gets you understand what it's all about. But it's also good for when you leave that you've got that extra experience above some of your, your colleagues when you're applying for jobs. So so that that's that's what I would say. But um, there's, there shouldn't be any holding back anybody who wants to do engineering. There's plenty of opportunities. I've talked about degrees and going through it that way, but you don't even have to have it that way. You can go through technician route. You know, after you've done your A-levels, you could go through an apprenticeship and um, go through and get qualified to become a, tech te- a technician or an incorporated engineer that way. So, you know, there's various routes to becoming an engineer. Yeah, I think there's a... There is a bit of a public perception of engineering as being one single entity. That's something that we're trying to trying to break, and yeah, it's yeah. something that it's, it's great to hear the professional bodies like the ICA, ICE are also trying to work against as well. So I think there's a very positive uh, attitude in the industry to improving its own image within the community. Definitely, yeah. Well, I hope it just needs to carry on for years to come, really. And the more we can get engaged with with younger with schools and getting I mean, up at the bridge, we have schools come in and they do. Uh, education workshops and all that's really good because they get an idea of of what it's like to be an engineer they they design bridges or they build bridges with uh, paper and pins or whatever and i think i've made one out of spaghetti yeah and, yeah. and blue tack yeah that's it yeah. That one. <laughs> and uh, but it's all good i mean it's you'd be a problem solving you're trying to work out how can you get this to stand up uh, it, it does help and think oh maybe this is something this is what science is all about it's not just about the you know the old maths, just lots of figures, mm. but there's there's real challenges and problems to solve out there. So thank you, Trish, for coming to speak to us. It's been really interesting. Uh, learned some fascinating things about the history of the bridge and about what you do as well and what other civil engineers can do. And uh, yeah, it's been fantastic. So thank you very much. Um, yeah, it'd be great to speak to you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this week's episode of Ingenious, please subscribe and share the podcast with friends. We'd also love to hear your feedback. To get in touch or to find out more about us and our guests, head to ingeniouspod.org. Music for our episodes is kindly provided by Yemzo Katana. Check him out on SoundCloud. Online. Not on FM. And certainly not on digital. This is Burst Radio. Bristol University's radio station. Radio station. Radio station. Radio station.